Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, April 4th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news, and then we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion of the ending of Morbius, and we'll give you some spoiler warnings before we get into that. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on this podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, happy Monday. Okay, uh, Ryan, you know, every Monday we have you on, and uh, the, the thing that we want to start things off with every Monday is the box office and what's been going on. And the big movie this weekend was Morbius. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of a mixed takeaway. Uh, you know, look, it topped the box office, came in very close to the low end of projections, uh, $39.1 million. Um this is part of what is dubbed Sony's Spider-Man universe. So it's not the MCU proper, but it's basically characters, you know, Sony controls the Spider-Man rights. So they have all these other characters connected to Spider-Man. This is one of them just for some context, Venom, which is also part of this universe open to 80 million, whereas Venom, let there be carnage open to 90 million. Um, so this is less than half of Venom. Uh, well, to, and, to be fair, Venom is a character that I know of. It's a right. character that like is kind of iconic. Uh, even right. if you didn't read the Venom comics, like you, you, any, anybody who hasn't read read comics knows of Venom. There is a the passing movie. familiarity with Venom. There's no question. Morbius, that, I, I don't know anything about. No, and, and so there's that to contend with. Now that even that having been said. Uh, you know, so Morbius uh, overall $84 million worldwide debut, you know, not bad, especially because the, the reported budget figure for the movie $75 million, which is really low for a comic book movie. However, that does not take into account all of the expenses incurred by the delays, reshoots, things like that. So I think that figure is a little higher, but... Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was going to ask you. Do you think? Do you think it's actually that low? Because I, I know we'll talk about the spoilers later. I do but, think the the initial budget, having seen it, I do think they actually probably managed to make a relatively cheap movie. But delaying something for two years costs a lot of money, and you know. So, but but 
the the main thing to discuss here is that yes critics trash this movie a lot <laughs> like the first venom although this is even much lower than the first venom on rotten tomatoes and the other thing to consider is the audience score is at 70 percent, which is much higher than the critic score but 70 percent is not high enough where people are going to be like it's not must see numbers and the other thing to consider is that the cinema score which is where this company sort of surveys people coming out of theaters to get their reaction. It's only at a C plus, which is pretty, which is actually not very good at all for a comic book movie. Uh, so I think what you're really going to see, especially next weekend, you got to keep in mind Michael Bay's ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog two are coming out. Um, I think it's week to week drop is going to be brutal and uh, it does not have a release date in China right now. So, you know, I don't know. I think I, I do believe the week to week is going to be rough on this. And I think depending on what the final number is, Sony might have to think about what it's going to do with these next planned villain movies, you know, with Craven the Hunter already filming. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that these are numbers anyone's thrilled about. So you're saying Morbius 2 is up in the air. Uh, again, I, I, yeah, for sure. But it also really does depend on how this thing legs out. But it's it doesn't the, the prospects are not good for like a second weekend. And and with a 39 million debut, you would need a pretty good second weekend hold. Um, and, and nothing suggests that's going to happen. So, you know, we'll see um, if it could even get to like 200 million worldwide. You know, that's where you get in the gray area because that's like, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife was budgeted at 75 million. And, you know, it it, it depends. But uh, for a Marvel branded movie, uh, this is kind of at the lower end limitations of where that gets you. Is there anything else interesting to talk about from this weekend's box office? Um, The thing that I continue to be fascinated about is X, the horror movie that dropped a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as of right now, it. it it, it only made a million this weekend. It's at 10 million total. Um, and, and I like the movie a lot. And, but meanwhile, a 24 already has a prequel film that has been filmed and it seems very much like they are leaning toward doing a sequel. Uh, and I am utterly fascinated at the notion of, you know, maybe $10 million worth of box office getting you to three movies. Uh, I don't know what this movie costs. The budget figures have been very tightly guarded. Uh, this continues to fascinate me. Uh, the other, I guess, notable thing is that the Batman crossed 700 million and we still don't have a sequel announcement yet, which is kind of interesting. So at, at what point do you think it needs to hit for there to Warner Brothers to be like, you know, OK, sequels ago? I thought we were going to get an announcement after opening weekend. I can't believe they haven't announced it yet. Yeah. Uh, didn't Matt Reeves say that he had uh, outlined or has plans for a trilogy? Yeah, and he's also talked a lot about, like, the things that, you know, were seeded to potentially, t you know, do a sequel. There's been all of the viral stuff on that Rattalata um, viral website for the Riddler. Like, it, it very it, it is all but confirmed they're doing one, um, you know, and plus they have the two shows for HBO Max. So I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know if they're just trying to figure out logistics. Like, the only thing I was considering today is, like, I wonder if they're not planning something crazy, maybe doing like two sequels back to back or something. And now oh. they have to sort of, and now they have to sort of figure out schedules and money and contracts. And that's the only thing I could even think as to why they haven't announced a sequel yet. But 
that's like purely speculative, but in looking at the numbers, it's hard to wonder why. So that's the only thing I can well, say. It's a lot more affordable to shoot those things back to back than it is, you know, years in between. Right. And, and it, right. And if you, and, and just like if, if Reeves is on board and, and Pattinson's on board and Warner Brothers is on board, the only complication there would be like, then you have to cast up two movies and you've got to know for sure these are my villains, these are my surrounding characters, this is where we're going. And that becomes like logistically complicated. Uh, which would maybe explain some, of, and then again, the money, of course, but, uh, well, Ryan, Ryan, you're being optimistic. You don't need to know all that stuff. They went into production on justice league, which was going to be two movies, not knowing all this. Um, <laughs> being that that was also Warner brothers, I would argue they're going to be much more careful about that shit in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, sure. um, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, the only other thing I guess I'd like to highlight is that it's cool that dog, uh, now has made sixty million dollars uh, domestically, uh, sitting at seventy-two million worldwide for a fifteen million dollar budgeted, uh, mid-budget. What I like thought was a really nice, uh, nice good movie. So uh, you know, good, good for that. But that's about it. Okay. Uh, the only other huge news to hit in the last few days on Friday, news came out that they are going into production on this Crow reboot, or at least. Uh, Hollywood Reporter seems to think so, and they have cast Bill Skarsgård in the lead role as Eric Draven, who is the you know the Crow, and Rupert Sanders is going to be directing. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, of, of course, you know as Pennywise the Clown from the It movies. He also voiced one of the Deviants in Eternals, and Rupert Sanders is the director behind Snow White and the Huntsman and Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and uh, it was written by Oscar-nominated King Richard screenwriter Zach Balin, who honestly, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually wondering they they've been trying to get a Crow reboot off the ground for I want to say like 10, 15 years now. It's been it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, I'm looking this up right now. In 2014. Uh, Corin Hardy was signed on as a director with Luke Evans locked into star. Yeah, it's been th this was a story like two years before I even really started covering movie stuff full time, and and that was that iteration of it. And it had been attempting to get going for several years even before that. So we're really probably at like safely a decade firmly of trying to get this going. Yeah. Jason um, Momoa. There, I mean, the, the whole well, but, history of this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know, Peter, but I don't know if our listeners know. They were like ridiculously close with Jason Momoa and Corin Hardy. Like there yeah. were costume tests. There was I, I even in superhero bits a couple of months ago. I had a little bit of footage that it, that, that that had been released. Um, I mean, like it, it was I mean, the plug got pulled. If you talk about the last minute. It was the last minute. Um, so, I, you know, this is going to be one. This is almost like Uncharted where you got to be like, OK, like <laughs> I, I'll believe it when I see it, because, man, oh, man, have they been trying to get this done for a while? Well, Hollywood Reporter actually thinks it's happening this time. I I'm very skeptical on do, do we really need a Crow reboot? I know, like, you know, that first film is c kind of uh, what's the word? Maybe notorious. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'd say it's also cult. kind of like it's got it's 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 a cult classic of sorts. I would say. 
Yeah, but uh, it's infamous because Brandon Lee got shot and, yeah. and was killed on it. Um, I, I mean, the look of the crow was something in pop culture that influenced many things, including uh, Sting in, in WCW. The the wrestler Sting kind of took on a persona that looked very much like the crow. Um, I just don't know. Like, Are you that excited for a new crow movie? You know, what's interesting is I think like in 2014, 2015, it would have been a different story. And I, and I was more interested in Corin Hardy's version of it. And and I, I guess like I like Bill Skarsgård and Jason Momoa about like equally for very different reasons. And I can and I can absolutely see Bill Skarsgård's version of it. And I can absolutely see Jason Momoa's version of it, but they're very different, you know, versions of it. And what's yeah. weird is like. Rupert Sanders might have made more sense as a director for Momoa in my head. And like Bill Skarsgård might have made more sense for Corin Hardy in my head. Totally. But, but like it's a, you know, but but anyway, um, I think the problem is now and I saw and I can't take credit for this, but I saw someone point out on Twitter that like, can you even make a Crow movie that can depart itself from like the gritty version of Daredevil and the gritty version of Batman now? Because I don't know that you can. And that was a really good point. Um, I know it's not like apples to apples, but I mean, you know, broad strokes, it's going to feel similar. And, uh, well, you uh, need I, to make a hard R if, if it's right, going to be that. Sure. Right? And I don't know if they're going to, cause I mean, the thing is if you, when you had corn Hardy, I think that was where they were going. But now when you get Rupert Sanders, it leads me to believe they're going PG 13. Um, especially with, uh, Zach Balin who wrote King Richard doing the screenplay. Like it feels like, this is going to be like a, a more popcorn take. Um, I don't know. I think that's where, I mean, I absolutely don't get me wrong. And from a, the business minded guy that I am, I totally see why a studio goes, we do a crow reboot because there's only so many comic book franchises out there. But um, as it exists, it seems a bit tenuous and like, it's going to be hard to separate itself from the pack. I think the thing, well, you know, I'm not that excited about the source material anyways, but the ingredient that was in, uh, that is in part of this uh, recipe that doesn't excite me is Sanders because Sanders, I don't know, he's a boring director. Snow Way and the Huntsman was not good. Ghost in the Shell was not good. I tried watching Foundation. Was he, did he direct the, the pilot of that episode? Uh, I haven't seen any of Foundation, so I can't speak to any of that. But um, well, I watched oh, the he, pilot he did, of that. Yeah, he directed. Think... Yeah, he directed one episode. Whatever yeah. the Emperor's Peace, whatever episode that was. I don't know. It's just I'm bored by like. How do you make those things boring? Like Ghost in the Shell should have been exciting. And I, I know that it also had some other problems going into it with the Scarlett yeah. Johansson. And I, and I don't mind Snow White and the Huntsman as like as like a middle ground popcorn blockbuster but i agree with you it's not like the kind of thing that gets me excited yeah especially so, with I'm, a guy like bill skarsgård who's fascinating i don't know bill skarsgård is very compelling because i could see him going going for it but it's weird way. with sanders as the director yeah. that's what i'm saying like corin hardy interests me again that's where that man that's so weird to me i don't know uh, okay, okay, let's go yeah. into the spoiler room here. Let's talk about Morbius. So if you have not seen Morbius and you don't want to be spoiled, if you plan on going to see this movie or watching it on home video when it comes out in probably, what, four or five weeks or something, um, you know, 
you might want to tune this out right now. I'll say this. I was planning on seeing this movie. Uh, Kitra, of course, broke her ankle, had ankle surgery. I was not able to get to the movie theater. So we're going to do a spoiler room in an interesting, unique way where I actually don't know what happened in Morbius. And Ryan is going to ex- tell me. He's going to explain it to me. Kind of like these Morbius ending explained articles on the site, and I'm gonna have my my reaction to to all this. So, um, so let's get into the Morbius spoilers. Is is there anything we should talk about before we get into the ending of things? Um, well, this is, I should mention this is the first time I've ever done a spoiler room on the show, so it's okay. It's kind of it's kind of fun that I'm doing it in like a completely like where I am your <laughs> I am your Sherpa through the the mess that is Morbius. Um, and, and you I, know, by what? the way, I, I I should say that like I, if you haven't listened to the podcast in any amount of time, you know that I am not spoiler adverse. So, and this is a film I was like super excited to see. So, and usually covering the film beats. Stuff like this, if I don't see it opening weekend, I end up learning what happens anyways. So it, to me, it doesn't matter. So don't don't, don't hold back, Ryan. Uh, sounds good. Um, I uh, I guess I should also note that one, two things. One, I don't like being negative, and I always say that because <laughs> I I really don't. I you got to really go through my tweets about movies to find me being like overtly negative because I hate doing it. Um, and, but look, and, and the, and the other thing I should mention is a lot of people are like tearing this movie. I mean, a lot of people are treating this movie like it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And it is not even the worst Marvel movie released in the last decade. I don't think. Um, oh, really? What's worse? Uh, well, I think, well, okay. I'd say it's close. Cause like this and 2015's fantastic four are pretty bad. Um, ah, uh. Okay. And, and, and uh, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, or, or I should say superhero movie, I guess. Uh, maybe not Marvel because Marvel's kind of ran a pretty tight ship outside of the Sony stuff. But, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not a well. And also, like, maybe dark. Well, I, I thought X-Men Apocalypse was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but, but. Uh, so you're not going into the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. You're going into the Marvel. No, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even at its worst, is, you know, like Thor the Dark World is bad, but it's just kind of like, eh. But also, I should mention, like, with Morbius, I, I mostly, up until the post credit scenes, was like, this is not good, but it's mostly just inoffensively not good. It's just a kind of boring origin story superhero movie, and, like, some a lot of beats feel familiar, there's no outstanding performances, and it just sort of does its thing, uh, and, uh, you know, then, of course, tease up the ball for what might be... <laughs> you know, future stuff, but like I should well, t- mention, t- tell that- me this because you know, I've only seen the trailers. I've seen some clips Well, the trailers it's- aren't going to help you out much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, this looks like a, a superhero movie that was made in the 1990s. Uh, you know, I think what's weird is like a lot of the, a lot of the trailers maybe might've made it feel like that. And I think what you ultimately got was like, something that feels like it took the worst parts of the Marvel cinematic universe and married them to let's take us back to around 2004 after Spider-Man two came out. And it was very clear that the superhero stuff was a little, a little bit more than a fad and a bunch of studios kind of tried to make, you had your like daredevil, Electra blade Trinity, like these sort of, early to mid 2000s pre Iron Man superhero movies. It yeah. feels more like that than it does like a 90s superhero movie. 
whilst sort of having the connected universe mindset to it. Uh, so it's a weird marriage um, of those things uh, in, in my estimation. Okay, so should we talk about the ending or should we just go to the end credit stuff? Um, I mean, I guess let's do because, again, I haven't done one of these before, so I don't know how they normally go. But I guess let me ask you, do you have questions about it? Like, do, is there anything you are specifically <laughs> curious about? And I can answer answer direct <laughs> questions. Well, I don't even know anything about Morbius. Is, isn't Morbius a bad guy? Well, yeah, but that's all these Sony, you know, so Sony controls the rights to Spider-Man and and. Yeah. and that means they also control the rights to all of the characters connected to Spider-Man directly within the comics. So Morbius debuted in, I believe, The Amazing Spider-Man number 100 and was one of the last characters created by Stan Lee. Um, and and uh, so he started as a foe for Spider-Man. Um, and that's pretty much what Sony's doing. They're, they're taking Spider-Man villains that could maybe lend themselves to, you know, other full stories and 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 going that way um so yeah he's, you know he's a, so what what is this movie is it him fighting someone who's worse than him yeah that's exactly what it is it's uh it's a uh, it's a uh, um uh, uh morbius has like a weird <laughs> disease like a like a degenerative disease and and him and his pal from the special hospital they were at growing up um, are sort of determined to beat this thing together. So Morbius is a brilliant scientist and uh, uh, Matt Smith's um, Milo uh, is, is essentially the, 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 he finds ways to make lots of money and, and sort of funds uh, Michael's research. Uh, and it should be noted that like Milo is kind of an odd character because they don't really explain explicitly how he gets all of his money other than like some references to gambling, but like they don't, they don't really get too specific. So that's a little weird. Um, and yeah, so then, you know, Morbius creates the cure, but the cure is sort of worse than the disease. Uh, and then Milo steals a bit of the serum anyway and takes it. And he kind of takes the evil route. Cause he's like, I don't screw you, Michael. I like drinking human blood. This is fine by me. And like, <laughs> Michael kind of kills some mercenaries after he turns. So he doesn't like kill any good people, but he kills some mercenaries. And he's like, and, and one of the weird things in the movie is that like one of Michael's big accomplishments as a doctor before this was that he created this synthetic blood that like has managed to save a ton of lives. So after he turns in, after he turns into a vampire, he's like, I'm only going to drink this synthetic blood, but the synthetic blood it's, its effects are wearing off. So he's only going to be able to live on that synthetic blood for so long. And Milo doesn't give a damn. So he does. And so then it turns out that Michael kind of has to, you know, fight who was his best friend because he's more evil than, so it's exactly what you said. It's he's, you know, he's got to fight a more evil version of himself. And, yeah. And then that's really does. all, but, but anyway, to, to answer, that's all the ending is, is them two fighting. That's it. It's, 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 there's really, not a lot more to it other than like two vampires fighting in a weird dark CGI sewer. Uh, you know, it, yeah. that's it. Like that, that's it's like, like I was trying to say, it's a very standard superhero origin story. Like it's, it's not, there's really not a lot to it. So, so at the beginning of this, Jared Leto is in like a wheelchair and he can't walk. Right. He's got like, like 
tiny Tim hobbly crutches, uh, and and he he can't really walk under his own volition. I did read a thing <laughs> from an interview that Mike Ryan did on Uproxx with the director yeah, of this movie. I read the same interview. Yeah. So apparently Jared Leto, he confirmed the director confirmed this fact. Jared Leto was committed to playing Morbius. Uh, so much that he had to use crutches and slowly limp to the bathroom. The pee breaks began taking so long that it was slowing down filming. So a compromise was made for him to use a wheelchair. Now, I think this is whole, well, this is, seems like something Jared Leto would do, knowing Jared Leto. But I think what, where this gets worse is so for the majority of this movie, he's turned into Morbius and he can walk without the like crutches, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I guess the majority. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, it's probably after the first act that he gets his powers. So, sure. Well, here's a quote from the director. Yeah, because I think that what Jared thinks, what Jared believes, is that somehow the pain of those movements, even when he was playing normal Michael Morbius, he needed, because he's been having this pain his whole life, even though as he's alive and strong... It has to be a difference. Hey, man, it's people's process. So that quote right there insinuates that even when he was playing the version of Morbius who could walk around, he was still in between takes using crutches. I I guess. I mean, uh, it should be noted Daniel Espinoza, director of Safe House and Life, directed this movie. Um, And uh, I like Safe House (laughs) and I like Life. So whatever. Um, his quotes toward the end of that article are interesting to me because Mike Ryan asked him some pretty direct questions about, it seems like there was a different version of this movie that didn't make it to theaters and, and Daniel Espinosa kind of dodges that question in admirable fashion. Um, hmm. I get, cause I guess the only thing I can say to Jared Leto's weird dedication to this is that like. The, if, if he doesn't drink blood, the effects start to wear off. So, yeah, he can kind of get back to, like, needing assistance. And I guess he used that as an excuse to, like, be weird about it. But, um, yeah, yeah, that just seems like a weird thing to have to contend with as a director. Uh, Listen, and- I, I get it. Method acting, like, I don't know. It, it's weird because I feel like there's some actors that when they go method, like, we are all, like, Oh my God, Daniel Day Lewis is such a genius, right? I guess, we like we put it... him on a pedestal, but then there's <laughs> then there's Jared Leto who does this. And if I was a, a crew member on set and he was like, you know, we we've been on set for twelve hours, right? And Jared Leto is like taking his time to pretend that he's he can't walk to get to the bathroom for a bathroom break. I would be livid. Well. And I even inter- I, I just interviewed the interview hasn't gone up yet, but um, I interviewed a uh, OT. Uh, uh, God, I hate. I don't know if I can say his last name, but uh, Fagbenlay. Uh, he was in like um, uh, Black Widow. He's he's in We Crashed with Jared Leto, and he's about to be in the First Lady as Barack Obama. And I even asked him about Jared Leto, and he was <laughs> and he was like, "Cause I was like, what's Jared Leto actually like?" And he's like, "I don't know." Because he's like, because he's like, Jared Leto wouldn't break character on set. And the only time he met, quote unquote, Jared Leto was at the premiere. And I thought that was so weird. Um, I have my own, th- we don't need to talk about like method acting, but I have my own thoughts on yeah, the okay. whole thing. But 
But uh, but yeah. So I don't know. I mean, wait. I, I have a question for you. So you explained the whole entire movie to me. I've seen. I've only seen the trailers and yeah. the commercials and so like that. Yeah. And like they're really playing up that this is connected to the Spider-Man movie. So there's like a part where he walks by the the Tobey uh, Maguire's Spider-Man graffiti wall. Oh, was that Tony Maguire or Toby Maguire? I didn't even realize that. If you look at the that. suit, it's pretty clear that it's Toby. Yeah. Okay. Well, it has murderer, murderer written right, on it. Which so implies that... that it had to do with the Mysterio thing at the end of No, uh, Far From Home. Yeah, and then we see an Oscorp building, and then most interestingly, we see um, the Vulture. We see Michael Keaton. Yeah. He was like, hey, what's up, Doc, or something? He said something like that. There's a couple different things. There's the original teaser, and then there's the 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 main trailer that we all were forced to see for the last year and a half in theaters. Um, so you explained this whole story to me, but I, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear any connection to the Spider-Verse. I didn't hear anything about Vulture being in this movie. You sure didn't, Peter. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so... You know, it might be easier to just go look up my article, I guess. But there is a one of the biggest weird things about this movie is there is a tremendous amount of stuff from the trailers that is not in the final cut of the movie as we see it in theaters. And I'm talking a lot of stuff. And it's not just this like the Spider-Man graffiti wall is not there. The vulture scenes we had seen from the trailers are not in there. A lot of dialogue and a lot of like meaningful story dialogue not in there. Um, it radically changed movie from the time that original teaser trailer came out over two years ago, mind you, to the movie we got now. And as much as Daniel Espinosa in, in interviews admirably is kind of trying to make it seem like, yeah, you know, he's trying to come up with like answers that make sense. It seems very clear that Sony tried to essentially remake this movie for various reasons in edits. Um, Cause like one of the interesting things, like obviously there's no Spider-Man wall, which is a big deal. There's no, the, the, the vulture stuff was completely changed, but like one of the things when I was going, and this took me forever on Friday and I fucking hated doing it. I should mention, but like going over all those trailers again, cause I had already done breakdowns for all of those trailers at like, it, ugh. but like, <laughs> uh, there was a line where, where Tyrese Gibson character, it was just like a cop in the movie was like, you were missing for two months, Michael, where'd you go? That is not in the movie. And not only is that line not in the movie, the whole plot beat of him not being there for two months is not there. Like it all happens in a very truncated timeline. So mm. like, that's one of those things that leads you to believe like, Oh my God, there was a lot changed. So as much as that might sort of get swept under the rug, if, if you know, going over the evidence, it's it, this movie changed. So for better I'm or wondering for worse, why I don't it changed. Know. Do you think like it was Marvel and Disney that was like, you know, no, we don't want to have Oscorp and we don't want to have. Well, that's the other thing, like the Oscorp building so far. Now, I should mention you're watching a movie once you're I the Oscorp building was like very prevalent in the trailers. I did not see a frame of it in the movie. So, uh, yeah, I, I suspect you're correct that it was Disney, Marvel, Sony and a lot changed in the two years since that trailer came out. Um uh, I, I suspect Spider-Man No Way Home was the biggest offender of we need to change things. Um, it almost yeah. feels like Sony had a plan with Venom, with that first Venom uh, end credit scene. or Was it the first one or second one? Which, end, which credit scene? Well, the one where to? he ends up going 
into the MCU. Oh, that's <laughs> Venom 2. That was Venom, Venom 2. But, but also that sort of like paid off. And yeah, that did seem planned out because it paid off in No Way Home as well. Like it sort of, there was like a a, a, a logical through line there. Um, here, uh, I guess maybe it would make sense now. Should we just talk about the post credit stuff? Because that would Yeah, maybe, let's talk about it. Because then I guess we could circle back to your question about why this stuff changed. Um, okay, so do you just want me to sort of like take a minute here and go over what happens in these scenes? Yeah, just to, uh, explain what happened. Okay, so, uh, and again, I can, this is where I'm about to get negative and upset. Uh, the movie was inoffensively bad to me before the post credit scenes. Just like, it, it's not good, whatever, I can move on with my life. Uh, the post credit scenes, in downright infuriating. Uh, okay, so, no references to Spider-Man, no references to almost anything. There's a small reference to Venom in the movie, but that's it. Uh... Post, you know, post credits. And what's weird is it was like essentially one post credit scene that was like split up into two post credit scenes, which was also weird. Wait, so, can I interrupt you here? So there's a reference to Venom. So that insinuates that this takes place in the same universe. In the, the same, same universe as in the same like main Earth as Venom, because okay. like we established in Spider-Man No Way Home that Venom does not take place in like the main MCU but like within the multiverse, these things can obviously be connected. Um, and that idea seemed to change radically how Sony wanted to use Vulture and establish this post-credit scene. So the first post-credit scene sees, and it looks like this was done like at the last minute, the sky <laughs> sort of rips open like we saw at the end of No Way Home, where like the multiverse cracks. Uh, and like this looked like dog shit CGI. So, like, this happened at the last minute. And then Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes gets pulled into a prison in Morbius's universe. And he's just, like, dropped into a prison cell. And he's like, oh. Wait wait, wait a second. That makes no sense. Because uh, in, in, in No Way Home, the reason why all the Spider-Men and uh, villains came into, like, was that no, spell. No, no. Again, this is where it's infuriating. I'm just let me. Okay. I, guess let, okay. I guess let me explain it first. And then we can talk. Because I agree with you. But, like. Okay. It's worth okay. going over what happens first before sort of dissecting the nonsense of it all. Uh, but so, okay, so Adrian Toomes lands in a prison uh, and then he just is released because, like, essentially the logic in the universe is like, oh, this man Adrian Toomes just appeared in prison and he had no reason to be locked up. So we're going to let him out of jail. And uh, and then, like, that's the first chunk of, like, the first post credit scene that seems just like... Wait, how do, they ex- how do they explain that they're letting him out of jail? Because, like, there's, like, some newsroom footage of, like, oh, it's so weird. This guy, Adrian Toomes, just, like, showed up in a prison and, like, yeah, like, there was no record, but there was, like, no record of him, like, you know, having been convicted or anything. So, like, he was able to (laughs) petition for his release successfully. Does does the newsroom footage talk about this big thing opening up in the sky? To be quite honest with you, I don't remember, and that feels like a really... (laughs) important thing i should remember but i was so irritated at all of this that it was hard to process okay um okay so then that's like the first post credit scene but again it does all feel like one so then a couple minutes later we get to uh dr michael morbius is driving out to the middle of nowhere late at night he's seemingly figured out how to control his bloodlust or whatever and he's meeting someone and then he's out in the middle of this field it's like three in the morning and all of a sudden like the the cornfield or whatever it is starts like you know 
there's like something racing towards him and you see that it's Adrian Toomes in his full vulture costume, like the one he had from Spider-Man Homecoming. So clearly he's put together a vulture suit somehow without all of the tech that he had at his disposal from the Battle of New York in Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't know how you explain that. Wait, 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 okay, wait a second. Let's rewind there for a second. So if in Spider-Man Homecoming, he's like a you know, uh, lower middle class guy who's working, you know, he, he's part say, of, he's yeah, like a cleanup crew guy. He's like, yeah. you know, he, he, he's, he's not a smart guy. He's not like, you know, Peter Parker or like, no, a, and it was like the tinkerer who built all this stuff for him. And it was built from all this Chitari tech that was right. left over from the battle of New York. So it's like yes. all this alien tech. Yes. But the Avengers don't exist in this universe as far as we know. So I far mean, as we know. And the Battle of New York did not take place in this universe. And so far it, it seems like know. he appeared in a prison without his vulture. He had nothing. He had nothing. So how did he build a vulture costume? Right. Again, this goes into the infuriating nature of all this. But so then he rolls <laughs> up to Dr. Dr. Michael Morbius at three in the morning in the middle of nowhere and starts talking with his bird mask on and essentially the the conversation boils down to them sort of like looking to team up and uh the the line that trips me up real bad is like vulture says to morbius he's like you know i think we can do some good but the insinuation is that they're going to build to the sinister six but it's the sinister six and the line that vulture gives to imply that is we're going to do some good or some version of that. And that is like wildly confusing. Um, but that's it. And then, then it pretty much cuts off and that's it. Um, so it seems that they're trying to tee up the sinister six, but like tee them up as like a suicide squad esque team of like bad people doing good things. Uh, and it's worth noting, Marvel has a version of that team already called the Thunderbolts, not the Sinister Six. Um, so, boy, howdy, there's a lot to talk about. But, yeah, like, the, it's very, uh, like, I, I just was baffled and maddened and, and very irritated. And, and for deep nerd reasons and for just surface level logic reasons. Um, but, yeah, that's more or less it. Wait, could could you see that it was Michael Keaton in the uh, second his voice makes it it's very clear that it's like oh this is i think i think at the very end of it he flips the mask up and you see him but i it, it's possible that he's just in the suit the whole time <laughs> it's again it's weird, just created in cg it's weird that i don't remember specifically but it does seem like most of it was cgi and the voiceover was um at that point i was so deep in eye rolling that i just was it was hard for me to I did a bad job as a journalist of remembering the details, but yeah. Um, yeah. What so, what do you think happened here, Ryan? Like, what do you think the original movie was? Because, well, first of all, if they show Tombs in the trailers, I think they showed him in the first trailer. They should. They showed him at the very end of the first. Day. So, so uh, this is so been, <laughs> this isn't something that you would you would never spoil the end credit scene. No, and in so the, it's pre it's pretty clear that this originally was not an end credit scene. Yeah, or or at least I don't think it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you're right. Normally, you would not spoil the credit scene. Um, and to be fair, they didn't because none of this was. Yeah, 
But I mean, yeah, like I the the big idea of the end credit scene is revealing that Vulture is now in this world, and like Michael Keaton is in this this universe. And I feel like if if he wasn't in the trailers, maybe no, this would still hit stupidly. But I it think if you didn't know that, in, right? But so I think I, before the movie came out, I had sort of like we've established that there are variants within the multiverse. Like you have J.K. Simmons reprising his role as Jameson in the last two Spider-Man movies, but yeah. like, it's a different J Jonah Jameson. So like it may, it would have made sense to me. My original thought was that there, there is a version of Adrian tombs in the Morbius universe that looks very much like the one we're familiar with, but it's just a variant within the multiverse. And that would have made a lot of sense. They clearly did not want to go that way. Um, so I think what happened is like after no way home came out, or like, well, No Way Home was in the process of coming out and they knew what it was going to be. They were like, OK, we're going to make this like consistent and we now have a way to bring that exact version of Vulture into the Venom verse. And so we're just going to completely upend what we did have and do that. Well, instead. what do you think was oh, what I, they I'm did so, have? I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention it is very important to mention that in the, the last bit of post credit scene, he specifically references Spider-Man. Uh, and like and it and and to Morbius and like Morbius isn't like who's Spider-Man. So it's clear that Morbius kind of knows who Spider-Man is. And like there is a Spider-Man in this universe, but they don't say who the Spider-Man is. So that's I'm sorry that I should have meant that is incredibly important. Yeah, like, we should mention that the director in a Q&A with Cinema Blend, Cinema Blend asked the director, is there a Spider-Man in Venom's universe? He said, of course. And then Cinema Blend said, okay, so which Spider-Man exists in Venom's universe? And Daniel said, quote, it is my understanding that audiences will discover that answer soon. Uh, which is like a reason like if you if you if if this wasn't a messy movie, that would be like a cool quote. Um but <laughs> but like so I think but, but, is- but he could have answered that. He could have been like you know, you're going to have to wait and find out. Like he could have, but the fact he's saying audiences will discover the answer soon to me indicates that like something is being filmed or has been filmed. That's going to show this. Right. Well, but like, but again, so you have Craven the Hunter coming out early next year. You've got Spider-Man or you've got a, a Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness coming out uh, there. It's, it's conceivable that, that we could get that answer within within eight or nine months so which uh, spider-man do you think exists in this universe i don't think sony knows uh that's what i think we're at now uh i think it's either toby or andrew right like it's gotta be um uh and i think there are pros and cons to either one of those right uh my suspicion is that like they would like it to be Toby, but Toby is not going to be interested in making like a shitty movie again. So <laughs> if they're, if they go to Toby and their pitch to him is like, you're the Spider-Man of the Venom verse. Like, I feel like he's going to like, look, I don't think he's going to come out like on main and be like, those movies are dog shit. But like, I don't think he's interested in sort of getting wrapped up in that mess. So then does, does, uh, I don't know, or I'm sorry, I, I guess I'm saying like Andrew would want, you know, like the Andrew Andrew Garfield version of, of but from the Amazing But he probably doesn't want another shitty Spider-Man movie That's what I'm saying, either. like he doesn't want another shitty Spider-Man 
So like, we're like, Toby got two good ones, but then he ended on a shitty one. Andrew didn't really get one that was knocked out of the park. So I feel like the pitch to either of them is going to be tough. Um, but I, I get, I, I don't know. Um, cause again, like the Spider-Man graffiti wall was pretty clearly Toby Spider-Man. So maybe that was the idea. Uh, uh, boy, I don't know. I feel like it would be tough to make Andrew be like, let's have you go into this universe with these critically pan movies again. Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately Spider-Man No Way Home changed the thinking of, of this and and it and it made for a much messier thing. And I'm deeply confused as to their pitch for what the Sinister Six is at this point. Uh uh, because that is just not what it is. Uh so I, I don't know. Um that 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 irritated me like to no end, but because hmm. the Sinister Six is not like a group of bad guys trying to do good. They are six guys who are like, we're gonna we're going to kill Spider-Man together. <laughs> like that's their whole thing. They well, are not. Maybe, maybe they think that's for their greater good. <laughs> I, I don't know. But at the end of this, Morbius <laughs> is not really painted as a full on villain. You know, he's very much painted as like a, by the end, more of a heroic figure for sure. Yeah. So him teaming up with Vulture wouldn't make any sense. And Vulture, it's worth noting at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, definitely had a change of heart, did not want to try to kill Peter Parker. He was um, saved by he by was saved by Peter Parker and didn't give up Peter Parker's identity to Scorpion in jail in that post credit scene. So he had a change of heart. I don't none of this makes any sense. Like it made way more sense to have Adrian Toomes be a variant <laughs> within the multiverse than it did have that exact Adrian Toomes. Oh, my God, this is so maddening. The more I talk about it. Oh, how annoyed do you think Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel Studios are in having to deal with this because they want Spider-Man in the MCU. Yeah. And this is a deal. This is literally a deal with the devil to, to get him there. And they it's have to deal with this BS. deal with the devil. And like the <laughs> idea that Venom even had to appear in No Way Home and like attach it to the MCU. Like I, there's this meme I use all the time. Um, I forget the actor's name, but it's just a, it's just a guy smoking and looking like just so distraught. And I use it all the time for, and I just, imagine kevin feige as that meme sometimes uh and like there's that video from a few years ago of him and amy pascal at a press conference and amy pascal sort of explaining oh, yeah. venom's place within the mcu and you see feige's face just like oh god no and like and and um and, like boys, everybody zooms in on feige's face it's yeah like, that, like meme yeah kind of it's 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 got to be tough for them to navigate and uh Especially because, like, you can clearly see that the MCU is having fun with the multiverse. But the problem is that gave Sony a golden ticket. And so, like, opening up the multiverse almost gave them more headaches. Um, boy, I don't know. It's, uh, again, this goes back to my whole thing with the box office, though. If Morbius doesn't do what it needs to do, all of the setup might be for nothing. And maybe that would be the best case scenario because we can just sweep this under the rug. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I, and I really mean that sincerely. Like this is a really gross, like post credit setup. And I, and I don't, Michael Keaton's better than this. He's got better stuff to do. Um, you know, good. Uh, look, I'm happy he's getting paychecks, but like, come on, man. Like we, we, he can do better. Like let's, let's, let's not have this be a thing. Um, 
I'm trying yeah, to think what would have been the better end credit scene. Like what what would have been better to hype you up for like and I guess this wouldn't have hyped me up for the the Sony Spider-Man universe, but if you're gonna have if you're going to have Tombs in it, maybe have him as part of the movie and then at one point, you know, Morbius goes goes to him for some help. But that's he what literally like he literally disappears. But that's, I mean like in the, yeah, no, but if, but if you look at the original scenes, like it looked like that was very much like similar, you know, they were going to kind of cross paths and they sort of kind of loosely knew each other. And like the idea of an Adrian Toomes variant, that's a little more interesting um, than like this mess. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine anyone looking at, because even what was crazy is in my screening, my, my theater was pretty full, like almost sold out. But the people next to me were like, Wait, who was that again? Oh, yeah, I think he was the villain from, like, nobody knew. You know, they were like, it didn't mean anything to a lot of people. And so, like, oh, I don't know. Like, it, I, the you know, this is the problem of, like, putting the cart before the horse. And Sony, sure, make these villain movies, but don't get too obsessed with stringing stuff together until it's necessary. And, um... And don't make it too like the, the brilliant thing about that original Nick Fury stinger in Iron Man is that if you never talk about that again, it doesn't ruin anything else. It's just kind of a fun little thing. And, you know, this, if you never talk about it again, it's confusing and weird. So like, yeah. especially if the MCU proper needs Adrian Toomes again, then you have to explain how the hell he got back again. So, okay, it's, it's a mess. I, I, it's a I think mess. we've said everything we need to say. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think you explaining this has—I honestly thought at the end of this, Ryan, that I was going to want to see this movie more by whatever you were going to tell me. But I think I actually have no interest in seeing this movie now. Because uh, again, like you're you're getting again the the movie itself is just it just is what it is, and then like all of the nonsense comes within like a three minute span. And you're like, and anyone who does this stuff like we do and you, and you pour over this stuff and you care yeah. about this stuff, it is confusing at best maddening at worst. Uh, yeah. So, you know, okay. You can find more of all of our work at slash film.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash film.com. And please head on over to Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a five-star rating, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.